the adversity that's out there with shooters that won't come to a USPSA match because of the rules. How do we overcome that to educate people to get them involved more? That's a, that, that is also a good question, and, and I have my ideas on how it can do. And, and it's hard to find ROs to work them that are multi-gun knowledgeable. Makes sense. Even though the rules are out there, a lot of times you have to be a CRO certified right. to be in charge of a stage, and you bring a pistol guy, nothing wrong with him, but he's used to pistol. He understands pistol. He doesn't understand three different guns and how that pertains in a stage. Right. Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunters HD Gold. I travel all over the United States meeting shooters, organizers, match directors, I'm getting ready to start asking the questions that a lot of people want to know the answers to. So sit back and listen to Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Welcome back to Hunter's HD Gold Behind the Lens. Today I have a friend with me by the name of Mike Sexton. Y'all may know him from the three-gun world, but I'm sure he has a history that goes way beyond three-gun. But, Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Having fun out here watching this match run today. Well, I can tell you where we're at today is the first annual or first inaugural AK Masters here at um, Clinton Plantation House. And it's one of those things where I've never been to an AK match before. So this has been a great experience for me. I've got all kinds of demos out today. So that's been neat to be around new people. So that's exciting. But what, 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 tell me about the match. What's going on? What made you want to be part of Range Master in this program? What happened? Well, of course, you know, Chad and I are good friends, and Chad is uh, PSA, which sponsor an event. And uh, being PSA, they sell a lot of AKs. And, uh, you know, these things are growing. Uh, at one time uh, earlier this year, they were selling 100 of these things a day. You know, there's, so there's a lot of interest out there. It's a growing sport with the AKs, a lot of modifications, a lot of aftermarket parts for them now. And Chad come to me, and he goes, uh, you know, you used to run matches a little bit. How about help me out? Let's do a, let's do an AK match. And uh then the word AK Master come about, and uh, he registered that name, and we said, well, let's put it at the Clinton House, and let's make it a little bit of natural train and bay, got to give everybody a mixture, shots out to 150 yards with an AK, put the optics and iron sights in there, and uh, what we say, the rest is history. It just yeah, kind of went from there. Yeah, that's awesome. How many stages y'all put on the ground? Ten. To put ten stages on the ground? Yeah. Wow, good deal, good deal. For the first match, how is that running so far? It's running good. We got one that's taking a little bit long. Uh, you know, it's a learning experience for all of us to put these things on. There's not a lot of them around now. Uh, but uh, it's moving pretty good. Stage is moving about an hour apiece. They're averaging around 30 shots a stage. Um, you know, guys got their guns zeroed coming out here, really having a good time. It looks like the families are coming out here with them. But uh, the move along, it's it's moving along real well. Uh, we're using natural train. We got about five minutes of travel time between a couple of stages, and you know, uh, people getting used to traveling around, uh, kind of like we used to do three gun. We kind of set it up like that. Man, I'll tell you, this place is huge. How many acres is Clinton? Twenty five hundred acres. Man, I don't know what all y'all have got going on out here, but this is the first time I've been to this range, and there's a lot happening out here. Yeah, so. we trying to get some more stuff out here and uh we're building a lot going on as you can see the construction going on with the yes. 100 yard bay we got another another 300 yard bay going in i've got a mile range here for people that want to come out and shoot a mile wow and i've got a thousand yard range here at the clinton house plantation that i 
kind of oversee those. I do mile day once a month, and people can bring their guns out and, and shoot a mile with me, get a challenge coin that says they've shot the mile. Oh, wow. And have fun and spend the day with me. Well, it sounds like you may have an interest of getting multi-gun nationals here at some point based on all the bays and stuff you're building right now. Boy, I don't want to bring up nobody's name, but I wish Jake could call me quick so we could get that <laughs> well, out here. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be listening. Otherwise, I'll be talking to him because um, I travel all around, and I try to make sure that um, give him feedback at different places I go to or different ranges. But this is definitely a great place to um, put on a multi-gun match. Well, right. we started doing uh, three-gun here probably in 2010. We started doing some three-gun at that time. It was Outlaw Three-Gun. We did Three-Gun Nation for a while, and we've done a lot of other matches. Uh, State Zero Shooting does the Pro-Am event here, and it'll be coming up in September, the last weekend in September, uh, where the pros are teamed uh, with an AM and, and can help them out. Uh, we've got a couple of other matches, uh, running guns, and a few things like that are coming here. Wow. And it, 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 we got a lot of space to do a lot here right. and have a lot of fun. Put some long range in it. And when you come down, if if people are looking at the uh, Pro-Am, we're going to do the one-mile challenge with Barrett Firearms out here to where they can shoot the 416 and the 50 cal a mile. Nice. And uh, get their coin that says they've shot a mile. Wow. that that's That's wonderful. So are you coming out of retirement building stages, are you telling me? No. No, okay. <laughs> you asked that plane. I'm to answer your plane. Uh, we had talked a little bit about that. It's been a while since you put a match on the ground. So. Uh, you know, I have to tell a funny story right quick. My wife told me, I told her a long time ago, I was tired from building matches uh, after the Pro-Ams a couple years ago. And after this match here, she looked at me when I got home. And she goes, are you crazy or what? She says, I think you done turned crazy on me, you know, because I've been out here for a week trying to put this thing on with Chad and the team. And everybody's done real good. And it's it's been a success. Everything I've heard today has been very positive. Everybody's coming up and said, hey, when are you going to do another one? It has been. People are already looking for um, doing this next year. And there's a lot of um, a lot of multi-gunners out here, a lot of USPSAers out here. There's even some people that shoot steel challenges that are out here. So we've got a great just conglomerate of everybody in the middle that's shooting guns. And well, a lot of experience, a lot of people that are not very experienced. Well, we got the HD Hunter's Gold world champion out here this weekend too <laughs> grant is. you know grant's here he's doing a seminar as we speak right now that's awesome I'm and so you know him. we're going to have some of that when we do the next one we'll have some pro shooters out here for seminars so the people that want to get into it because i've had a lot of people come by today and say you know how do i get into this i didn't even know we're doing nothing like this so we're right. going to start holding some of that stuff at uh you know seminars and those type of things where people can come out and learn man that's exciting so let's let's switch gears a little bit um, you've been shooting for a while, but where did all this get started in competition? Where did, what, what got you going and what made you choose this lifestyle that you're doing now? It's addicting. It, it really is addicting. I, I, yeah. No, I started, I came out of the military and retired in 92. And when I came out, I, I just started shooting a little bit in the mid nineties. There was a little local club next to me and they were holding IDPA and USPSA matches. Okay. And I went over there and started shooting a little bit and it's just right up the road here. And, uh, after that, in 2001, I shot my first three-gun match, okay? And I said, ooh, three guns? Wow, I'm having three times the fun? Of course, it's three times the cost. I but and I've also heard three times the problems. It is, but it's three times the fun by, right. by far. But I started doing that in 2001. Uh, kept moving along, and then in about 2005, I turned to Three Gun 100%, and that's where a lot of the sponsors have come on. And you know, I've got Hyperfire's been with me 10 years now. I got True Specs been with me about 12 years. So I've been doing this quite a while now, and it's fun. And I, I just can't get 
away from it. And I think if I ever slow down and quit, I don't think I'll be here or something, you know. Wow. Was you, have you been with your wife since she started shooting competitions? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Now, my wife started when I started IDPA. She started a little bit with me. Okay. Uh, and she shot a little bit just to, just to have fun and meet the crowds. Because it's a great the, – the community in the shooting world is very close. Right. It's a small world. I don't care what commodity you shoot. It's a small world out here. Everybody yes. knows everybody. Uh, so she liked the people and, you know, just a very tight group would do anything. And as she got a little older and I got a little older, she said, I'm going to back out of this and let you travel. As I got to traveling all over the country shooting and teaching, right. of course. So uh, she stays at home, watches the dog a little bit now and supports me 100%. Wow. What what kind of um, teaching did you do? Well, I did three gun classes all over the country. You know, I used to teach for Three Gun Nation. I still do them here at the Clinton House. Okay. Uh, I also do long range precision classes here, and se- I do some self defense stuff in in some indoor ranges in Greenville and stuff. So, but mostly I do a lot of private long range classes and three gun classes where I can bring a person out and tailor everything around their their skill set and their weapons that they have. Now, know? how did you learn about the long range side of it? Was that something you did in the military? No, I didn't. I didn't really shoot a lot of long range in the military. I shot a little bit, but as I got out, I got more into it. And as in three-gun, you had to be a good long-range shooter. You know, three-gun matches are one back in the day before we had box guns like I run now. Right. Uh, loading a shotgun and shooting long-range rifle. If you could do those two, you could fare well in three-gun. So... At that time, I started shooting, you know, we shoot five, 600 yards if you go to Texas or New Mexico or any of those to shoot. So I, I took some classes myself and got better at it and then just kind of filtered on in to do some DMR stuff, designated marksmanship rifle cl- oh, okay. stuff, you know. Okay. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it, and I've learned a lot. I've had a lot of good instructors in myself that has helped me along the way, and then I started teaching long range probably about four or five years ago. So. Wow, when you're doing long range, you teach an MOA or a meal? Both. both. Everybody has both, you know. Yeah. It's just both systems are good. When I came out of the military, I was an MOA kind of guy. Yeah. And then I, I shot with a bunch of guys that were stationed uh, up in North Carolina, and they're all meal guys, and they were all my teammates, and they're talking meals, and I'm trying to communicate in MOA, and it just didn't work out, so I had to learn both. And most time, good shooters will know both because you, you talk MOA targets, you talk MOA, but you're running your reticles in meals. I'm sponsored by Collis Optics. Nice. You know, so I'm running a 5 by 25 uh, Collis with the uh, Skimmer 3 reticle and Skimmer 4 reticle in it. So it's meals, but uh, there's nothing wrong with either one as long as you understand which one you got on there in your platform. Right. When I, it's in the optical industry, we always deal with millimeters. So it was very easy to pick up meals, in my perspective, to get it dialed down to even more details and not have to worry about holdover or just a little bit here, a little bit left. You were spot on on meals. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't dial any windage or anything when I shoot. Uh, I mainly, uh, you know, hold the windage, but. You know, I still do a lot of holdovers in meals. I mean, I uh, because I'm, I I can refine the scope down to tenths of a meal mm-hmm. instead of quarter of an MOA. Mm-hmm. So you know, with that, I can do holdovers a lot better. If I'm in a match or something, if it's out to six eight hundred yards, I try to hold over the scope instead of wasting time dialing a lot. And that okay. comes from the three gun side. You don't dial in three gun. Yeah, you're you're more in a rush to do things. You don't exactly. have time to see because you're not on a part time. You have some time to do that to, right. to dial it in. So. Yeah, in precision, you're on part time, and three gun, you're on the clock. Right. So you don't have time. So everything in three guns kind of hold over. I mean, you can dial if you've got the right scope, but most of it is holdovers for three gun. You know, right. out to six or seven hundred yards in some cases. So. Where, where do you where do you see three gun going in the future? You've seen it when it was at its height. Mm-hmm. You've seen it 
go all over the place and you see uspsa do this do that and then not tackle it this year they had a two-gun nationals instead of doing you know three gun how, how did you feel about the two-gun nationals i loved it okay i talked to jake and the team and mike and you know, I, I thought it's going to make something in the future because there's a there's a lot of folks out there that say shotgun's too hard for me. You know, you see open division. Let's just take open division and three gun. People are, you know, years ago we had 30, 40 open shooters out of 300 people in a three gun match. Now we had 100 open shooters here recently in Texas. So right. a lot of people are going to open because of the box gun, because of the, the loading of the shotgun. The, right. the two-gun takes the shotgun out of play. Now you're running the rifle. They did it in PCC and pistol this year. Correct. I would like to see it, personally me, with the carbine, 5.56, five, mm-hmm. and PCC and pistol. You could alternate that different class. Right. Yeah, I think it would bring more people, but they had a hell of a crowd this year. Well, they do, but you made a, you made a statement about shotguns too hard so people don't like it now we're going to have people on from dissonant arms that are all very much pro shotgun so how do we get more people comfortable with a shotgun to be able to get shotgun back into bolted gun well funny you asked that because me and donnie had a long conversation from stage zero we were up in minnesota shooting the tri-gun last week and on the way back our main talk for 18 and a half hours in the truck together was talking about how can we improve shotgun out here because i'm sponsored by dissident arms mm-hmm. uh, i shoot a kl-12 vepper uh love it like to run it, love to run jungle run. So Donnie and I are going to put on a couple. Here I am building matches again, oh, by the way. Just making sure we're on the same page there because I was taking notes and I'm, I'm like, huh. Yeah, see, how's this going to work? Huh? No, we're going to, Donnie's looking at uh, in the pro am having some side matches for shotgun only to kind of get people back into that shotgun a little bit more. Right. And then I've talked with Mike and Land to us do a series next year with stage zero, a shotgun series only. Okay. You know? So to get Get people back in both, you know, attack op shotguns and box guns. So, because I hear lots of different discussions about why shotguns are running, why they're not, and ninety percent of the time, people are saying it's the ammo, it's not the gun. So, that's a correct statement. So that's I'm learning more. So that's I don't a correct know. statement. Was it to your opinion? As well? Yeah, I mean, the ammo is very, you know, it's certain guns that are sensitive on certain ammo. You know, most. Uh, most semi-automatics are pretty much, they'll run anything you can put in them. But uh, a lot of the box guns are, are a little bit sensitive on what you cycle with them. And that's the reason, uh, you know, I'm not trying to throw a lot of things out there. But Dissident can take uh, somebody's personal gun and convert it for them and tune it up to where it'll run wh- just about anything that's got an eight crimp in it. If it's a five crimp shotgun shell, it doesn't feed very well. And one of my secrets, and I'll sneak it out here, uh, okay, uh, I'll put a little story behind it if we have a minute, if you don't mind. uh, I went to uh, shoot a regional, uh, three-gun nation regional in in Nevada a few years ago, probably about eight years ago, something like that. And I flew out there, big match, had my box gun, got my rental car, bought my ammo, set it in the trunk of the car, had the trunk open in Las Vegas when we were shooting the match, and the gun went single shot the whole time. You know, I just never could get the gun to run. Wow. Well, I tried to figure it out, and I got home, and I found out I was running a certain brand of ammo, and it had a very thin hole on it. So when I had the ammo sitting in the trunk, the holes got soft, and it wouldn't feed into the semi-automatic shotgun. So that was about eight years or so ago, and I started showing up at matches with my shotgun shells in a cooler. And everybody's going, what you got in the cooler? And I'd say, shotgun shells. Well, why you got them in there? And I go, 
so the sun won't bother them. Even though I didn't put any ice or any cooling down factor, right? the insulation of the, of the cooler would not let the sun affect my shotgun shells. So my gun was running 100% in a very hot climates, and other people's guns wouldn't run at all. Very good takeaway. So you see more coolers running around now. Matter of fact, a good friend of ours, Josh, is running around with a cooler every once in a while. Right. I don't know where he got that idea from. <laughs> but awesome. uh, yeah, it's just little things like that that you do to make your gun run. Because I right. tell everybody when I teach classes, you're only as good as your equipment is. If your equipment don't run, it's going you're going to have a frustrating day, and you're not going to like the sport. Right. So if you get equipment come out to do these things, you're only as good as your equipment is. If your equipment runs, you're going to have a great day. Right. Okay, so make sure that take care of that part of it first. Wow. You know, and you don't have to have the most expensive equipment out here. You just got to have, like you say, feeding it the right ammo, uh, making sure that it, it, it it's going to take care of you when you run it in in a match. Right. You nice. know, good takeaways, good takeaways. Now, you've been in the firearms industry for a while now. Yeah. And what what industry did you get started with when you got in? Bob, what, what did that look like? Well, I mean, I've shot for a lot of different rifle companies and different sponsors and that stuff over the years. And, you know, I'm in the industry now with Lead Store Arms. Uh, you know, I'm their national sales manager and I help a little bit with operations and stuff. But uh, basically now, you know, uh, doing that, I, I, I've retired and retired and retired. I don't know when I'm going to quit retiring one of these days. But, uh, you know, the, the industry out here is great. We have a great industry of selling rifles. Rifles have been very hot. Uh, the guy that started Lead Star was a former retired Navy chief. Uh, he built uh, big wheel motorcycle parts for Victory Motorcycles, and that's okay. how he, when he got retired out of the Navy. And when Victory went out of business, he said, I need something to start making. I'm a machinist. Let me start making rifles. So he started Lead Star Arms, and that's the skeletonized guns you see today. Wow. And I... He, he was doing PCCs, and he asked me to come over and help him with the PCCs. I helped him in the design, to, helped him design the ramp and the muzzle brake and a few things on the gun. At that time, I was shooting for Adams Arms out of Florida, which is a great company. And as things turned out, uh, he went on to bigger and better things and left me here. And so they asked me to help a little bit with the uh, lead storms. So that's how I got tied up with him. And plus, the big boss is a good friend of mine. You know very well, Chad. Yes. And he, he we, Chad and I started shooting in 2005 together, and we kind of separated and went our own ways. When I went to Three Gun, he went to Steel Challenge. Right. Now we've come back together, and I'm getting him into long range and getting him into this stuff. So it's kind of fun. Wow. So what, when you said you separated, what that look like? Was there just a mutual thing? You were oh, no, no. He went, yeah. He went to play his commodity, and I went to play mine. Oh, okay. Okay. He, he, nothing bad or anything he just liked steel challenge he liked to go fast pull the trigger fast right. steel challenge is that type of gun and he was good at it he right. he has records it with the steel challenge my thing was three gun i like feeding three gun and thought that was a great way to go and i went off and done three gun and he went off and done steel challenge and then as the big circle always comes together we right. came back around and here we are again. That's awesome. And and to round back to my question earlier from Three Gun, where you see it going, because from what I've seen traveling all over the United States, different matches, the rule sets seem different everywhere you go. And then when people come to a USPSA event, then they understand the rules are very strict and they're very detailed for people's safety. And there's not a rule. I've talked to Jake about this many times. There's not a rule out there. That's in place because something hasn't already happened to put that rule in place. So, how do you, what do you feel three guns going in the future with all the different rule sets and all the different regional stuff, traveling with all the guns? Where do you see three gun really going? 
That's a good question. And to to kind of give you an insight on that is it's really no different than it was in the 2003, 2004, 2005 okay. on up. And, and it's just more visible now because there's more people in it. There's more social media. Social media, yes. Back, back then, I'll call it back in the day. I'm making all of it sound old in here. Back in the day, uh, everything was outlawed. There was no really – there was a multi-gun, and they always held it out west for USPSA. It was very small. Mike Volt and all those guys ran yep. that. Good guys. And they had that rule set, and it was the only sanction-type stuff going on at the time. Uh, everything else on the East Coast, whether it be in West Virginia, Florida, Texas, South Carolina, North Carolina, was all outlaw rule sets. Everybody had their own rule sets and wrote different rules. And that's the reason I used to teach people, if you go to a three-gun match, make sure you understand that rule set when you get there. Because really, nothing's really changed a whole lot. Okay, Three-gun nation has gone away, as you know, for certain reasons. But the rule sets are still the same if you go to a lot of matches. Texas Three Gun, great rule set. You know, Aaron Hayes does a great job with that match out there. Fantastic. Always full, always hard to get into. Tri Gun, we just came from Minnesota. I was up there last week. Same thing, different rule set. Uh, it's outlaw rule sets, home rule sets. They, they build their rule sets around the range. So there's always going to be different rule sets to where USPSA, great organization, they have a rule set that is nationwide. Correct. And it goes from California to the East Coast. Right. And so they run by that rule set everywhere they go. So they have to find ranges that fit their rule set and those type of things to make it work, you know. Uh, everybody's rules, and I hear positive, negative on everybody's rules, and it's always going to be that way. But, you know, I think three-gun is no less. I think some of the monthly matches have gone down because it's hard to find people to set up a monthly match, a good monthly match. Right. It, I, when I ran the one here at the Clinton House, Buddy Brown and I um, – It'd take us five days to set that match up. Right. And that was a monthly match. But we had 100 shooters. We would cut it off at 100. And that's a lot of work. Right. And it's hard to find folks out there that will take the time out voluntarily, because everything's voluntarily, to set up three gun matches locally. So what you've seen is a decrease in the monthly matches, not a, really a decrease in the major matches. There's okay. still the same amount of majors out there. What do we do to overcome the adversity that's out there with shooters that won't come to a USPSA match because of the rules. How do we overcome that to educate people to get them involved more? Because the past, you know, multi-gun matches that were down in Frostproof were, were great matches on the ground. Shannon Smith did a wonderful job. He does. But the, but the attendance was like, for, you know, lack of better words, you know, not, 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 people weren't happy with it. So, I mean... What do you what do you think we do to educate? Because there's a lot of three gun shooters, and if we brought a bunch of them together, the match would have 500 plus shooters easily. It'd, it'd fill up. So how do we get that to double from where we was at from 2019? That's a, that that is also a good question, and and I have my ideas on how it can do. And one of the things I think they already know, and I don't, I, you know, like I say, I like all the guys over there and everything, but the problem is not a lot of uh, sectional or state directors or whatever want to do a lot of state matches like South Carolina sectional pistol matches yes. opening or whatever. Uh, so it's hard to find people to run monthly multi-gun matches. And okay. you got to have that to, to justify having the people to run them. So they do like an Area 6 multi-gun or they do an Area 5 multi-gun. Very few of those are around, maybe two or three. And then they jump right into a national multi-gun event. 
mm-hmm. multi-gun nationals. And it's hard to find ROs to work them that are multi-gun knowledgeable. Makes sense. Even though the rules are out there, a lot of times you have to be a CRO certified right. to be in charge of a stage, and you bring a pistol guy, nothing wrong with him, but he's used to pistol. He understands pistol. He doesn't understand three different guns and how that pertains in a stage. Right. So to do that, and, and Jake and I have had this same conversation, they need to have RO training for multi-gun. Okay. And bring in some of the multi-gun guys Okay, to be CROs. Right. And Shannon's seen this. You know, Shannon and I talked. He does a great job with his match. He brought in CROs to run the stages in the last multi-gun match. But he also brought in some three-gun ROs, Mm -hmm. okay, to help assist those CROs that had to be in charge of the stages that had multi-gun knowledge. Right. And it was a hit. Yeah, people now people want to see the next multi gun, and that's where that rumors come that we're going to run one here next well, I year. Hope so, well, let's let's take this question a different way, based on how come the Memorial three guns, how come the Minnesota three guns, how come all the other three gun matches that are happening don't want to adopt the USPSA rules? In your opinion, because there's people that like the the rule set that's in place there. That's why people travel is because of the different rule sets, you know. Uh, Explain that more because yeah, I'm trying to because I get find some a, people that get frustrated. I hear that because they, they thought this rule was this, but it wasn't like this last time. So I've I've heard the other side of that coin. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's certain things in the rules of a certain match that I like. Okay. You know, uh, there's certain things in multi gun USPSA that I like. Okay. It's hard for everybody to come to one agreement, you know. Uh, you know, there's people say, I'll give you an example, all right, and I won't name any names of the matches or anything, but there's matches that say if you dump a gun off a safe into a dump bucket and the RO sees it, it's a disqualification. Okay. All right? The gun's down in a dump bucket. Is it an unsafe gun? I'm not going to answer that in my opinion. Right. Is it an unsafe gun? Well, there's other matches that say if it's off a safe and in a dump bucket in a safe direction and you do not go past the gun downrange, that it's a 30-second penalty. Why? You know, you bring shooters out here. You want to keep those shooters. If it's not an unsafe condition, then why DQ somebody and send them home? Right. You know, it's to go to a three-gun match. I'm going to say I spend just to go to, let's just go, let's let's say Minnesota. Okay. It probably cost me to go to Minnesota to shoot that match, $2,500, $3,000. Yes. I mean, just fuel alone in the diesel was $600 for me. Right. And we split it in hotel. So, you know, if I go up there and I dump a gun and the thing knocks it off safe and it's down in the bucket pointed straight at the ground right. and I don't go in front of it. Mm-hmm. Do I want it? that cost me three thousand dollars to go home? Right. Maybe it hit the wood going in. Maybe it hit the side of the bucket. Whatever the case might be. So going back to your question, everybody looks at what they like in the rules, and they'll go to those matches. It's what draws those people to those matches. Right. You know, I ran the pro am in Rockcastle for two years. Six hundred shooters. Okay. All righty. Under what rule set? Under a outlaw rule set that we drew up, or that was drawn up prior to me getting there. Right. That we every year they made little modifications from suggestions from the shooters mm-hmm. that made it even better. So, you know, my last thing that I want to do is send anybody home. Of course. Safety's first and foremost and primary. You don't want to send nobody home unless you have to. 
because, you know, my goal was to have less than 5% DQs out of ever how many people I had. Okay. That was my goal. I had a target set on everything I did. So, you know, if somebody AD'd the gun and went over to Burma, it's a no question. If you did an unsafe act, uh, AD'd while you're loading a shotgun and hit right in front of you, that's, that's an unsafe act. Or shoot a car that you're sitting in or what those type of things. But dumping a shotgun in a bucket and not going down in front of it if it knocks it off safe, is that something to send somebody home for or penalize them? Right. You know, let's make them suffer for it. No, I, I get that. And the reason I ask my question is because, you know, the world shoot and all the slots for, for rifle and shotgun are pretty much off one match. So yep. if another place that has a three-gun match every year wanted to get their match as a qualifying match for the world shoot, all they'd have to do is accept, adopt the USPSA rules, pay the dues, and they could be a world shoot sponsored match, correct? It, it, it's yeah. that, I mean that because so many people are always like, well, we just had a, we just had two gun nationals, yeah, and it was a qualifier for the world shoot, right? And shotgun, yep. But guess what? There was no shotgun. <laughs> that makes <laughs> that makes no sense to me as an individual, but I get it because you know that's just the way it was. And that's just how it's done, but it doesn't make it right because if you you know if 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 another range that had a three-gun match every year would just adopt the USPSA rules, I'm sure the organization would look at that as to be a sponsored event to qualify for World Shoot. And that would, I think, wouldn't that entice a lot of people to embrace that? Or do you think they still like, no, we want it our way and that's the way it's going to be, which is pretty much how it sounds like it is. They just don't want to change. Yeah, I mean, finding somebody in sectionals, if we could get sectionals out here, maybe not as much as monthly, as if we could get a couple of area matches or sectional matches out here. Right. Find somebody to do it. It will. It, it's got a very good possibility. But, you know, there's other people, I don't get into names right now, that are talking to uh, USPSA about doing shotgun matches. We've got away from USPSA shotgun matches. Right. I think if we did the two gun matches, because I think that's going to be a hit personally. Right. And we did shotgun matches along with it. Then now you've got a mixture of both to qualify people. People are going to get used to it and want to come to that shotgun match. And you put the both together in a sectional or something and then get those people involved. I don't think it's as bad as the rule set keeps us people away as much as it does to get somebody to do the work and the labor to put it on the ground. Oh, I, I've, I go there with you. I've had that conversation with Jake that people the finding volunteers is always the hardest part to get different things going in different situations. I well, get that. I, I think if Jake and them would come out and say, okay, we're going to do a southwestern or southeastern United States uh, USPSA multi-gun, uh, southwest, you know, divided up in a section of states. Right. And did four or six of them a year, right. they would draw the crowd. Well, and that, that would be an area situation, and that would be something that the area director right. would have to facilitate. Because right. the, um, all the nationals, they're already putting on the ground. They're already running around and got everything planned out. They're already, you know, they're already planning stuff for next year. Right. And especially with back-to-back coming up. So I see a lot of that behind the scenes as well. So I guess that would be more up to the area director to facilitate something like that and get it done so i mean that's we're in area six here yeah area so, six yeah, so that'd yeah. be something would be you know bruce wells's discussion right now yeah and we did a we did an area six multi-gun in december at frostproof that's right and with that it was a great match good time uh everybody i talked to enjoyed that mm-hmm. but there again 
getting the getting the directors, the area directors, to put it on the ground. Right. That's the hardest part right now. It's getting well, people to do that. Well, that's an elected position. You know, and that's what that's why people got to get involved and start sending letters in. Because well, look the, at the majority of people in USPSA. What, what their majority of membership, which is growing all the time, yep. is pistol commodities. Yep. Now PCC's bringing a large PCC's whooping in there, growing just as fast as carry So hopefully those two together. If we could get a shotgun series going, which is very easy to set up and put on the ground, if we could get a shotgun series going, I think it wouldn't be long before you find directors that says, you know, these three might work together. Let's do an area. Let's do go back to multi-gun. Yeah. You know, I mean, because it, it, it's going to take that to get it going again. I mean, the outlaw matches are still out here, and they're always going to be in the multi-gun world or in the three-gun world, as we like to call it. Right. But, uh, just getting them to get somebody, an area director that wants to put it on the ground. Well, it sounds uh, like that's where the challenge is at right now. So Yeah. And I, I tell you what, I wish them luck because I think I'm getting at the age of this thing. I don't know how much longer I can, uh, uh, you know, be out here playing this game. I'm, I'm getting at that. Um, where I ache every night, and it's, well, you know, and maybe but I, maybe you maybe got a future area director job in your future. Then ooh, we don't have no. to work as much. <laughs> no, oh no, but uh-uh. no, I'm done with jobs. But uh, <laughs> Brian, you're trying to get me. Ain't well, it's, you? It's, a, it's a volunteer sport. <laughs> you're trying to get me to say something on air too, ain't you? <laughs> no, not at all. We can, this, is, this is one of those things that you know you never know what people's you know look like you know from the big picture type things because it it's going to take somebody who is active that cares about the shooting sports not well just a, not just a pistol and that's the reason i like to do the classes that i do and teach mm-hmm. because i love to see the sport grow right. i don't care what commodity it is if i can teach and, and help somebody come into the sport you know i tell everybody come out and shoot a three gun bring what gear you got All right make get somebody to show you the safety side of it so you know come out Bring the gear you got at home. All right. Shoot it. A local monthly match or whatever. Right. And if you don't like it, you ain't spent no money. If you like it, then you can start buying the gear and take a class and learn what you need. A lot of people that I teach buy the wrong gear to start with, right. and then they turn around and they got to try to sell that and buy the right gear. Right. Well, that's where a class comes in. Take the class after you see if that's something you want to do. Then you learn to buy the right gear out here to, buy, to, to purchase, right. to play the game the best that you want to play it. And then you can get into it. That's what I like about again teaching. I like seeing new shooters come into the game. Well, you've done you've done a lot of teaching. We've talked about some of that the other night when we had dinner together. Thank you again for yeah. inv- inviting me to that. Um, you've had some experiences with teaching though that have not gone favorable as, <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, is, I, I, I'm intrigued, and I love your attitude, and I love your story because it's a story of education. <laughs> And it's a story of things. But, you know, tell me a little bit about sometimes <laughs> when you've had some experiences that didn't go as well in training, because that's very important for people to, to know, in my opinion. Well, you know, I always tell people when we go into a training class, the very first thing is the four fundamental safety rules. Yeah. And the biggest violated safety rule I hear is fingering a trigger. All right. I don't care what you do. Everybody picks up a gun. It's got a hole in it. They want to put their finger in a hole, you know, and, and that's where people get hurt, as I did. You yeah. know, uh, I was teaching an advanced self-defense class to student. uh Dropped the gun when I charged him with a target. I was teaching him how to retreat. Or, you know, because you, you, if you're in a defensive scenario, your feet better be moving or you are the target. So I was teaching him to move, and he decided instead of moving, he had dropped the gun and pulled the trigger. Of course, I was standing close behind him where I could 
catch him if he tried to turn on me and uh, the bullet discharged into the ground and then ricocheted up into me and so that was a learning experience there i mean you know there's nothing you can do uh when it happened it's just you have to make light of it i laughed about it a little bit after after i found out i was still alive you know but uh you have to make the best of the situation but you know the biggest thing people have to understand if you're going to come out and do classes and stuff please read the safety rules make sure you understand the safety side of it you know um South Carolina has over 560,000 CWP holders just in South Carolina because I did teach CWP up until this year. And 560,000 CWP holders, people walking around with that many guns, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, I, I've talked to people, they say, you know, I got my license, I bought a gun, and I'm walking around with a gun now. Have you taken any safety classes? Nope. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I teach like an intro to handgun class where people can learn all this. I teach advanced self-defense classes. And, you know, you get these people that are just walking around. They don't want to learn. They just think they got a gun. Nobody's going to bother them. And, I, you know, my suggestion to everybody, if you're going to walk around with a gun, understand the four fundamental safety rules and be very aware of those things. Because the last thing we want to get into is a gunslinging act out here in the middle of somewhere, you know, to where everybody's got a gun. Everybody starts pulling them. And, you know, we want to make sure they understand the safety rules because there's a lot to do if situations happen like that. And. That's what I try to instill in people, but I've had people AD guns in different directions and those things just because, and most of them are due to fingering the trigger. Right. You know, just not paying attention to fingering the trigger. And if they do that in town or something, that could be a legal, legality type thing. It could happen. Right. You know, so. Yeah, it was kind of funny. All you guys laugh at me. Uh, I tell that story last night. That's where I ain't getting too much detail. Well, (laughs) you know, any questions you have about that, please feel free to email me at um, info at huntershdgold.com, and I will forward those to Mike because it is a story that was um, very intriguing and very – the way you handled it was very um, reliefful to me as an individual. That you know, it's kind of like riding a motorcycle, and then you know, people say you're either going to wreck or you have wrecked, yeah. and you have a choice to get back on that motorcycle and continue to go in or or not. And it's the same thing with a firearm. You know, it, at any point, your your you know your wonderful wife could have said, "We're done." Yeah, we're done. I mean, and it, it, we're done. So. It was funny though. I mean, the funny whole part of that thing, and uh, I won't go into it too detail, but the whole funny part of that thing when they rolled me into the hospital and. I think every nurse in the world tried to come by, and, you know, and they, when I got ready to leave a couple of days later, uh, they looked at me and they go, you know, you sure take being shot pretty well, you know? And I go, well, I'm still here, so it's got to be good, you know? I mean, it, we didn't go the opposite way, and if it did, it did, and ain't nothing I can do about it. If a big man calls my name, it's my time. Right. And uh, so there's no sense getting upset about that stuff, you know, that type of thing. And I felt bad for the student. He he laid on the floor and cried for 30 minutes, I think, until the ambulance got there to pick me up because he was he felt really bad about it. That's that's that's, that's got to be a whole other factor. You know, did you ever speak to him after the fact? Did you ever get in touch with him again? No. When I when they rolled me out, I said the last thing I told him, I said, dude, you know, things happen. This ought to be a learning experience for you. Because he, he was saying, you know, I'll never pick up another gun again. Well, that, yeah. that's not the right thing, the way to look at it. I mean, right. that's not the answer to all this. And I, I told him, I said, look, dude, don't, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Learn from this. Keep your finger out of the trigger. Because that's what happened. I saw the flash of the gun. Right. Everything, you know, you say when something like this happens, everything slows down. Right. No, that's a true statement. Because I saw the flash of the gun. I got my hand down to 
to capture the gun, mm-hmm. uh, but it was already too late at that point. But, uh, you know, things happen and accidents happen, and accidents are usually happening by people violating something like a fundamental safety rule. Right. Well, you know, and, and thank you for sharing a little bit of that, and I really appreciate it because it's a story that is, is important to yeah. me that people understand that things do happen. Yeah. And that's why we have all these rules in place. And right. It's very important. And, the, you know, for USPSA especially is why they have all the rules in place based on what, you know, the multi-gunners may or may not like yeah. that are in place <laughs> for a reason. That's why I would challenge more, you know, range masters that do multi-gun to consider looking at USPSA as a rule set to get involved more. Because I think if they get involved, then nationals becomes even bigger because of the help of somebody else that decided to change their rule set. Plus, as an organization, if they grow and get multi-gun, it's an organization that's going to help protect our Second Amendment right. And that's where I was going with my, my final you know comment. Where do you when you where you know you, you've been in the military, but when did the Second Amendment really mean something to you? At what age? What, what when do you remember that? When did that really hit home about the Second well, Amendment to you? Uh, uh, my dad was a gun collector. Okay. My dad loved cowboy guns. So when I was very young, he drove into me about owning guns, having guns, being respectable with guns and those things. So my Second Amendment right actually probably registered to me when I was very young, but I kind of got away from it probably a little bit when I was in the military because I handled guns all the time. But then when I got out and seen the world the way things are changing for us out here, it was really important probably in the 90s for me. I really started saying, you know, I joined the NRA at that time. Wonderful. And started trying to make sure I'd become an instructor just so I could help teach these things. Right. So probably in the in the 90s was 30 years ago. Well, that's wonderful because that's one reason I, you know, I go to all these matches and support so many kids in the shooting sports because, you know, I get told all the time, man, you're sponsoring all these kids. They're going to be gone. I said, that's fine. But if I can, in, can have that vote. And I know how they feel about farms when they get older. Then hopefully we got that vote for many generations to come. Well, and that's what we need to do. And I I teach a a basic handgun class, and I tell people, you know, don't try to hide everything from your children. Get them educated. Get them involved. Look, you know, I I went to the World Speed Shoot this year. It's the first year I've ever been to the World Speed Shoot. And I went down there to work Lead Star and to help Chad and all. The juniors down there. I don't Isn't know how amazing? many they were there, 500, Isn't 800 kids. I mean, I'm talking juniors, and yes. I'm going, wow, this is cool. This is the future of our school. You know, and three guns the same way. You look mm-hmm. at three gun now, you go to a three gun match, there's 30 or 40 juniors there. You right. know, I shot a team match a long time ago, and I love it. We're going to bring it back. No, we, we ain't. Donnie might. I don't know. About <laughs> no, we're, I, I think you'll be there on the ground helping something. Uh, we talked about that. A, a, another team match. I shot with a junior at that time. was 14 years old. He's a very good shooter today, Brady Lawing. Okay. Right. And we shot in a war sport match, and we finished seventh, and he was just an up-and-coming shooter. Mm-hmm. Had more fun, you know, shooting with him and doing that. And I think that's what we got to look at today is look educating our children. Yeah, Brady, look at it. Brady's look rocking it. and rolling today. And, he's awesome. And, and, he, and he's a very – he respects guns, you yes. know. A quick little ending story about juniors and teaching you juniors. Don't hide it from them. Teach them, teach them about the guns. Get them out. Get them into these junior programs. There's a lot of that. I mean, they have here at Clinton House, they have the Junior Sporting Club event, 750 shooters every April. Wow. 750 junior shooters out here every April. So, you know, I used to tell people, there. I have a lot of people ask me, say, when did you learn about guns? When did you learn safety of guns? And I, I tell everybody, my dad was a gun collector, like I told you a minute ago. And when I was a little kid, he bought me a plastic gun set, a cowboy set. And I got a picture of me holding those guns, okay? Wonderful. And he said, 
if I pointed that at somebody, I was fixing to get a knuckle sandwich back then from my dad because he said if I'd point plastic guns at somebody, I'd point real guns at somebody one day. So he started teaching me when I had my plastic gun set. Wow. You know, and I knew if I pointed at somebody, I was fixing to get pick myself up off the floor somewhere because he was a big old man then, you know. That's awesome. So that's kind of the way I was brought up. I brought my, I got, you know, five kids today. I've got nine grandchildren today. I teach them the same thing. That's wonderful. That is one of so, here. Well, anything else you'd like to discuss before we? Close no, but this, this one has out? been a pleasure, buddy. Man, thank you so much for taking the time out. I'm, I'm glad you. It felt good to turn the radio off for a little bit. I hear the the shots are going off in the background, and I saw Chad walk by twice, about to pull his hair out. So he's probably looking for you. I hope he's having fun. Pull doing. He don't even know I'm in here. So I know nobody can tell we're in here having the podcast. That, that's a real and good that, thing, that's so. awesome, dude. And I, I appreciate you doing it. And, and uh, being a part of you know Hunter's Gold is always great. These people need to get out here and look at these glasses. You, how many matches are you attending this year? Let well, me ask you I, a question. I got about 43 on the schedule this year if everything 43 goes 43 matches you're going to be yes. set up again. Every, if you folks listening weekends. out there, you need to bring yourself by, talk to them, pick up a pair of these and go shoot in them, okay? Because you'll find out it makes a difference in your shooting. You're going to be able to see better. When you see better, you shoot better. So stop by and see Brian, okay? Thank you so much. All well, right. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Look forward to hanging out with you again tomorrow to finish up the AK Masters. Look yep. forward to putting it on the schedule again for next year, watching it grow. And hopefully you're here out here again in full health. And saw you running down stage one and running around a little bit. You're running, you're running at full speed. Yeah, it's pretty I know. good. I don't let nobody know this. I'm telling everybody I'm old, you know. Yeah, so. you're, you're running like you, you're keeping up with them. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. When I saw you RO on the other day, I was like, hey, he's moving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he- you get Jake now. Get Jake. Let's start talking about this multi-gun national you know uh, i'll take that as a challenge and i will do that yeah. i will do that let's make it happen you I, and i, I can I, make I, them happen i think i think together we can you know it takes a lot of people to get together and get behind it and i think we got a good start here so awesome. I look forward to trying to make some things happen and make it work so thank you so much for listening this week to hunters hd gold behind the lens and until next time i'll see you at the range <laughs>